Dude, do you ever go to the range? Do you ever shoot a gun? Yeah, occasionally. 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 Are you a good shot? I would not say that. Okay. I mean, I don't would say I'm terrible, okay. but I, you yeah. know, for my level of experience, I think I'm all right, all right. but so, not as good as you. Definitely. So, not. uh thank you for telling me that. So, if I am ever robbing houses, I'll know I could be shot <laughs> in the head and the foot, you could shoot yourself, you oh, know. Oh, all that is very possible. <clears throat> yeah, very possible. Look, you have to you have to be a good shot. If you own a gun, you you owe it if you're hunter to the animal. You owe it to yourself and if you're not a good shot, you don't know what you're doing, it's just not a good thing. Mantis X can help you practice. I mean, you know, Stu and I have done this in the studio where, you know, just like taking the gun and, and uh, without any bullets in it and, and dry firing it. And Mantis X will help you get better. 94% of shooters improve within 20 minutes. The, the Marines are now using this. The military is using this. Because you don't have to use uh, ammo. You can, but it's like having an instructor right by your side. It's going to save you a ton of money. You're going to get better. It's MantisX.com. MantisX.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. Um, today, I want to do something because I I do not want my influence to influence how you decide to vote. This is your decision, but I want to bring you the full story on everyone. Vivek, who I really like, have been a friend of the show for a long time. A lot of the audience just loves the guy, is going through a time where... People are asking questions about him, and some of them are a little confusing. So I asked Vivek on, and I always do this to every guest, if I'm going to be tough on him, I let him know this is not going to be a walk in the park. I'm going to ask him the tough questions, Vivek from Vivek 2024, in 60 seconds. Mike Lindell is a pretty stand-up guy. You know, I didn't know this, but Alan Dershowitz, who is on my podcast this weekend, and it is a mind-blowing podcast, uh, <clears throat> he's representing Mike Lindell now. He's, I mean, really? he's, yeah. These people are just going after any and everyone. Anyway, Mike Lindell wants you to celebrate the, uh, I think it's 20th anniversary of my pillow. You helped build it. So he wants to give all kinds of specials and give back to you and say thank you right now he's got the towel set on the set comes with two bath towels two hand towels two washcloths it's usually about 80 bucks but for a limited time you can get it for 39.99 with a promo code back 50 percent discount right now find this offer just go to mypillow.com click on the radio listener special square and put in my name uh glenn 
uh, or Beck. I'm not sure which one. It's Beck. Uh, get the 50% off right now. Promo code Beck, 800-966-3117, 800-966-3117, mypillow.com. Vivek, welcome. I know we only have a few minutes, so I want to get right into some of these things, uh, and it might take more than one episode here. Uh, first of all, hello, and my first question. Yeah, my uh, first question is: Please, will you verify that it is Vivek like cake? That is correct. Thank it you. Vivek like cake, Ramaswamy. Okay, yeah. okay. That one is good. an easy one, Glenn. Yeah, well, I know, I know. Well, they're going to get harder from here. Um. <clears throat> Wikipedia editor alleges that you paid to have your Wikipedia page edited to remove you receiving the Paul and Daisy Soros Fellowship for New Americans and your role in Ohio's COVID-19 response team. Is that true? Hang on. Is that true? And if it is, why? So before I ran for president, there were a lot of falsehoods on my Wikipedia page. And it was clearly mis- it was clearly being, and it is actively over the course of this campaign, been manipulated by opposition research. It said things like, at times, me being born in India, my wife, and facts about her that were incorrect, up to and including her name. And so before I ran, yes, I wanted to make sure that the public was aware of exactly what the right facts were. The fact of the matter is the Ohio COVID-19 response team wasn't actually ever a formally titled body. There was a lieutenant governor in Ohio who remains a friend of mine to this day who asked me if he could call me from time to time to get basic advice through the process. I said, sure, I would. I helped him with the reopening plan. That was a short version of the help that I provided him. So I'm actually proud of that. You know, when a lot of these states were going through lockdown, there was a path to reopening. I'm a business guy. He called me for advice on that. I was pro reopening. And, you know, to this day, people can call him. He, I'm sure he would say the same thing. Did you ever phone calls about it? Did you ever man, uh, go for uh, lockdowns, mandates? Nope. <clears throat> None of that. Absolutely not. <clears throat> OK, I've been dead set against it. And I was a force for good in so, the state of Ohio here. So John Houston, I'm sure, would confirm that who was the person on the receiving end of those phone calls that I made. Why wouldn't you just have them? I mean, because you were on the response team as much as there existed a response team. You did get the Paul and Daisy Soros Fellowship for New yeah, Americans. It's, why, it's easily findable on the Internet. It's, it's like literally. But it's, why it's would you remove those things instead of clarifying? Well, I think I think. Yeah, so I think the truth is that that headline was itself generated to create this appearance that we're somehow manipulating this. There was about five other just outright false things. And you know what? I wasn't micromanaging what exactly this page is edited or not. What you want is actually a statement of what's important coming up first in your heading. So if somebody else has gone out of their way in the early paragraphs of your description to the world at the age of 37, having achieved a lot of things, and then the first thing is some random scholarship you got at the age of 24, that's manipulation. And one of the things I've learned in this process, Glenn, is it's, there's a lot of left-wing media manipulation, but there's media manipulation 360 degrees, driven by not just fake news media, but a lot of fake establishment candidates, too, who are threatened by my rise. And literally, Wikipedia, even to this day, it's like a war on my Wikipedia page. No, I know. Page. I, please. And, 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 so, and so my view is, we got to just speak the truth. Okay, I've so- actually been completely transparent about this silly Soros scholarship that's a brother of George Soros, not related to him, 
at the age of 24 that I want easily Googleable a generic scholarship that I would have had to have been a fool to turn down at the age of 24 from a guy who's long dead, who's a totally different person from George Soros when, when I'm in my early twenties. Okay. So- and I don't, I don't cast aspersion on others, but there are other candidates who have gotten $160 million loan from Soros, others who <laughs> have been endorsed. And so, yeah, I think that we can play this silly game, but I think it's important that we stick to the facts. Okay, so it is George Soros's brother, and they are not, I mean, they are related, they're related, but they're, they do not uh, uh, share the same um, outlook on taking over the, the world, is my <laughs> understanding. Correct. Now, the, but, there, but there is something here that you, when in answering this, you said, I took the money at a time when I was young. I didn't have a lot of money, but at that time, at 24, I think you are, you were making $2 million a year. Well, there's, there's a small little fact there. Uh, one is, I, that was the following year that I made it. <laughs> so okay. at the time that I applied for the scholarship, I got my first big, the first big payday ever I got is actually the year-end bonus that I got the year that I applied for that scholarship. It wasn't a need-based scholarship. So one thing I'll say, Glenn, is even if I did have a million dollars post-tax in the bank account, I still would have been a fool to turn down $50,000 of a merit-based scholarship that other kids who are going to Yale Law School are winning. That, whether or not you have that money, okay. I'd still say advise the 24-year-old version of myself to take it. But I did see that false headline. How do people know this, Glenn? It's worth double-clicking on that. People know this because I released 20 years of tax returns in the early weeks of this campaign, something that no presidential candidate has ever done. This is unprecedented transparency. And, you know, of course, no good deed goes unpunished. But we're actually running this campaign with unprecedented transparency because that's the way we're going to run the government. So I published something that, you know, from Trump on down, nobody's ever done it. Put up 20 years of tax records, someone as wealthy and successful as I've been. That's against the better advice of advisors. I said, no, we're going to do that. Someone then picks on that and says, oh, well, didn't that year you earn it? You get paid the year end bonus. That was the first year I ever made real money. That was after I had applied for that scholarship. But I'll always contend with the facts. And those are the facts there, Glenn. So the next question that's being brought up is the WEF tried to name you as a young global leader. You were on their (laughs) website. You eventually had to sue. I'm not going to ask this question because it's already been asked and answered on this program. And you can find that on this program. We went into great detail about it. Um, But and we sued them in one since then is the is the answer and held them accountable to make sure they would never do it, not just to me, but even people like you, Glenn, or people like Elon Musk or others so, who have also been opponents that they've tried to name in different capacities. Well, here's the we thing that I hard commitment from them. Here's the thing that I, I take issue with. Um, I believe it came from your camp that I was also nominated for some award or something from uh, Soros or the WEF. And uh, I can tell you that's not true because, I mean, I would have taken it because, I mean, <laughs> Do I get to go over to the ski lodge? What, what, what comes face off for right. the okay. Elon, Peter Thiel, a bunch of these other folks have been, yeah. have been named on there. And I thought last time when you and I spoke on the air, you referenced them referencing you in some way. But the whole Oh, yeah, no, is, their hatred. Their hatred of me. Yeah. Their hatred. No, I mean, it's not a big deal. I, I, I know. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's a clip going around recently of you asking Al Sharpton uh, on MSNBC People are using this clip to claim that you at least used to be a Democrat. Were you? <laughs> Did you switch? What made you switch? Yeah, so I will tell you, I'm not, I did not come out of the birth canal spouting Republican talking points. That much is for sure. So that clip from 2003, when I was 18 years old in my freshman year of college, 
I wasn't a Republican. That's for sure. Now, MSNBC hosted all the Democratic primary candidates. I said, you know what? I'm going to go check it out. I asked him a question and I said, hey, why should I vote for you in the primary if, you know, you're the least experienced, which is inexperienced, least experienced politician, which is a funny question and ironic on many levels, given <laughs> that I'm an outsider running now. But the truth is, I didn't vote Democrat. I voted Libertarian that year. You want to know why? I didn't love George Bush. I was dead set against many of the George Bush policies. I was against the war in Iraq at that time, as I am today. I went on to be against the 2008 bailouts. That's why I didn't vote for John McCain or Barack Obama. I was disillusioned, Glenn, from both parties. And so in that election in 2004, I voted for the Libertarian candidate because I couldn't stand John Kerry or George Bush. I came to my views, and I was disillusioned from politics for most of my 20s. Obama, McCain, Obama, Romney, even. I didn't find these figures inspiring, but I came to my views through my experiences, Glenn. When I was a biotech CEO, when I had to make or was supposedly forced, and I refused to do it, to make a statement on behalf of Black Lives Matter while I'm developing medicines that are saving people's lives, and I refuse to do it, and that puts me in a difficult position in my industry as a leader, those are the kinds of experiences that shaped my vehemence in crusading first, not even in politics, but against this trend of woke capitalism and stakeholder capitalism and ESG, say separate business from politics. That's where I began, not in partisan politics. And even now, I'm not a party man, Glenn. I'm using the Republican Party as a vehicle to advance a positive, nationalistic, pro-American vision for this country. And so, you know, if people want somebody who was born in Republican jerseys and talks in Republican talking points, I'm not their guy and I wasn't at the age of 18 either. I'm somebody who thinks independently. I'm a patriot who cares about this country and speaks the truth. And you know what? If I'm 18 years old and I'm exploring in college, yes, if there's a forum where somebody who disagrees with me, Al Sharpton shows up, I'm going to go up, show up, ask questions. And yes, I did vote libertarian that you're guilty as charged. That's just part of who I am and people should know it. I need to know, because I, I respect your time, and I did this with Donald Trump, and I had to leave questions on the table, but we'll have you back. Um, do I have two more minutes with you, or yeah, yeah, yeah. four I'm, more minutes? I actually, actually reserved uh, 20 minutes for this, so okay, I'm okay. in good shape. All right, um, so let me, go, let me go back to this. In 2016, you not only were against Donald Trump, but you actually made donations to uh, somebody who is virulently uh, anti-Trump, a friend. Let me just correct you there on 2016. I was not anti-Trump. I just didn't vote in 2016 because I was deeply jaded and skeptical of all politicians. As I told you, heading into then, I judged based on results, and he delivered for this country, and I voted with him with pride in 2020. So you, what happened. But you gave $2,700 to Act yeah, Blue. Yeah, I'll tell you what that was. Okay. Yeah, so I had no idea who this individual was. There's a, she's in the biotech industry. And, you know, I'm a biotech CEO, right? Mm-hmm. I'm invited by the Biotech Industry Association's head of a friend of a friend saying, there's this doctor who's running for Congress. Would you come? They dragged me out to a fundraiser. I showed up, stayed as long as, as minimal time as I could, but that was the entry ticket to go in. I frankly regret doing it <laughs> because it's raised so many questions afterwards. I wasn't plotting to be a politician back then. But the fact of the matter is, if you're a CEO, you get dragged around to a lot of fundraisers in New York City. That was the one I got dragged into, and the ticket price is one that I wrote to get in. So that's the long and the short of it. I think of, I, I couldn't even tell you the name of the person who it was. Okay. Um, in the debate, you said that Trump was, quote, the greatest president of your lifetime. I said the 21st century is what I said. Okay. But, but all right. My, 21st century. I, I that's fine. I think about it for a lifetime because okay. Reagan was also 
during my lifetime. Okay, greatest president in the 21st century. If he's so great, why bother running against him? Well, look, this is a good question, Glenn. And I believe I can take the America First agenda further because I've got fresh legs. Because I hope to God that my best days are still yet ahead of me. I can see a country whose best days are still yet ahead of itself. And look at the way we're running this campaign, Glenn. This can't be a 50.1 election. I am the only candidate in this race who can win in a landslide. We've gone to the south side of Chicago. We've gone to Kensington in the middle of the inner city of Philadelphia. We're bringing young people, Glenn, along in droves. I have over 100,000 small-dollar donors in this campaign. 40% of them, more than that, are first-time-ever donors to the GOP. Many of them are young. And so for so many reasons, this cannot be a razor-thin margin. Unlike many people, I actually do believe Donald Trump can defeat Joe Biden, but I think it'll be razor-thin and tight. And I think it is dangerous for this country if we get to a place where CNN and MSNBC are trotting out the winner the Monday after the election. Mm -hmm. This can't be one of those. This has to be a Reagan 1980-style moral mandate. I think I'm the only person who can deliver that by bringing young people along, leaving no state, no city left behind, no American left behind, a multi-ethnic working class coalition is what we're building. And I will take Trump as my most important advisor and mentor in that first year in the White House. I'm convinced of that. And I think that's the relationship I'd like to have with him as we leave this country. So you say you have enough. And now I'm out of time. Uh, can you wait 60 seconds? I, I hate to do that. Or do you have to go? Yeah, no, I'm good. I okay. 60 wait seconds. 60 yep. seconds. Let me do a quick commercial. Then I one more question. <clears throat> Let me paint a happy picture. And I, I'm not usually uh, one known to do that. But uh, I think you'll like this one. Picture this. You wake up in the morning. You don't hurt. You go about your day. You play with your kids, your grandkids. You. You go play golf or you're digging around in your garden, whatever. You stand on the dance floor with a person that you love and you don't hurt. That's the key. You don't hurt. You don't have to think, oh, am I going to pay for this tomorrow? Relief Factor exists to give you back the life you love. So you've been living with pain for your, you know, any extended period of time. Please try something new. Try Relief Factor. Three-week quick start, 1995. It's trial pack. It, it attacks inflammation in our body, which is the major source of pain, uh, in four different directions. Ibuprofen really does it one way. About 70% of the people who have uh, ordered Relief Factor, now over a million, Go on to order more month after month. ReliefFactor.com, 800, the number four relief, 800 for relief. It's ReliefFactor.com, 800, the number four relief, ReliefFactor.com. Feel the difference. 10 seconds, station ID. Vivek, I'm going to ask that we have you back uh, at some point. Uh, because I have sure. I have more questions and I want to make sure that you have a fair hearing and that the tough questions are asked uh, of you. Yeah, here's one I, I want to be very delicate on. And this is my my question. Um, sure. You know, I was in Iowa and I saw people, uh, you know, react to you and they reacted really well. What you may not have seen was afterwards. I asked some of the leaders and I asked people that watched and they said this. I love him. But he doesn't have a chance because he's not Christian. And I don't think people are ready for a, a Hindu uh, uh, president. You are going to have pushback, if you don't already, from Christian groups that 
that may not or they'll sit out. You can't lose the Christian vote. You say you believe in the same one God, but that's not Hindu. So, Glenn, what I've said is we share the same value set in common. My faith is there is one true God, and yes, that is Hindu. There's many branches of Hinduism, Catholicism to evangelical Christians in the Christian tradition. There are many branches of Hinduism. The one I've been raised in, and it's a widespread mainstream view, is one true God. That's my worldview. But more importantly, this is a Judeo-Christian nation founded in Judeo-Christian principles. This is a fact of history. I think we need a commander-in-chief who shares those values in common. And as somebody who has been educated in Christian high school, has, if I may say it, Glenn, myself, read the Bible most, more closely than most of my Christian friends, I can say with certitude that we share the same value set in common of sacrifice, of duty, of a belief that God put each of us here for a reason, that we're here for a purpose, that there's more to life than just the aimless passage of time. Think about the common thread from the Old Testament to the New. God told Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. He didn't make him follow through with it. In the New Testament, God sacrificed his own son. That value of sacrifice, that is woven into the fabric of this country. It is woven into my own upbringing and value set, the same values we raise our two sons in. And I think, Glenn, especially because I'm a little bit different, I'm a little younger. I'm the youngest candidate to run. I'm of a different generation. Yes, I'm of a different faith, nominally. I think I'm in a better position to defend religious liberty, to actually make concepts like faith and patriotism and hard work and family cool again, actually, for the next generation of Americans. I take that responsibility seriously. So, no, I'm not qualified to run for pastor. I can't. That wouldn't make any sense. But when I'm running for commander-in-chief, the question is, do we share the same value set that this nation was founded on? In my case, the answer is yes. We live our life accordingly. And the standard I want everyone, including every Christian in this country, to hold me to is, do I want my two sons to grow up and be like him? Whoever that is in the White House, I think that's a standard we should apply. If we're being really honest, it's been a long time. At least I'll speak for myself where we had a president where I could, without holding my nose, tell my kids the same two things. And I think a lot of Christians across this country would say the same thing. That's the standard that I'll ask to be held to. Vivek Ramaswamy, I'd love to have you back. I've got some questions on China and everything else, but thank you so much for uh, answering these questions. You bet. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, Vivek like cake. Can people please get it right? The Glenn Beck Program. Uh, Cheryl wrote in about her dog's experience with Rough Green. She says, I was actually skeptical that this would have any effect on my dogs, but the difference is unbelievable. I ordered it when my 11-year-old dog had to have surgery and wasn't doing well. Within a week's time, she was playing like a puppy. I am totally amazed how much better both of my dog's digestion has been as well. Thank you, Rough Greens. Cheryl, thanks for writing in. This is exactly the experience that I had with uh, Rough Greens. I didn't know if it would make a difference. I just wanted my dog to eat, and this, I knew, made him eat his food. But the difference that he he had in energy and uh, his health, I, I think it gave him at least a year, maybe two years of good health, where the other dogs who have not been eating this in my uh, in my household, they 
they slowly declined over several years. Uh, he's just, he's older than, he's the oldest German Shepherd we've had, and he's just started to dis, to uh, decline. And I owe it, I believe, to Rough Greens. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Get your first trial bag free. Just pay for shipping. Call them at 833-GLEN33. 833-GLENN33. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. That was a, a fascinating conversation, I thought. I wish we had more time uh, to go deeper, because I had a few follow-up questions on each of those things. Uh, but we just had uh, Vivek, like cake. Okay? <laughs> like cake. The, people are saying it, Vivek, Vivek so much Vivek. that I even started crazy. to question myself. That's why I led with, please verify, Vivek, Vivek like cake. Yes, that's it. You knew this because you've had him on long before yeah. he was running. for And I asked him and, and he said, Vivek like cake. Exactly. And, you know, we had him on. It's, it's interesting to see him kind of explode onto the national scene mm-hmm. after having a long experience with him before this. Like, yeah. we knew this guy and, and like he's got a look. You might not like him. You might not think he's old enough to be president. You might not like some of the policy proposals he puts out there. But look, he's number one. He's really good at this. I mean, we've seen candidates over the years who have tried to communicate conservative principles and have done they haven't done one tenth of the job that Vivek Ramaswamy does on this stuff. He's really good at this stuff. He's good at running for president. He's going to be uh, uh, difficult to deal with in every one of these debates for these other candidates. And the other thing is he has really does have something to add to this conversation. He does come from a different perspective. He's a smart guy who does have a lot to add to this conversation. Whether you think he should be president of the United States is another story. You might like Trump better. You might like DeSantis better. You might think he, you know, he's too young. There's a, a million things you can come up with. But like, I would love to get to a point where primary season wasn't the dumbest season. Where mm-hmm. every single time you disagree with somebody who you disagree with on 95% of stuff, you have to freak out with and call them communists or fascists or whatever. It's like we have a, a wide menu of candidates that go from very, very conservative to libertarian leaning to uh, to very they're, moderate. Mm. And that's a good thing. Look at these people and make a decision based on what they're doing and what they say they want to do with the country. And you don't need to be, you don't have to treat everybody who likes another candidate like, you know, we're in the middle of the Cold War. I have to tell you, I, I don't think that there was a single person on that stage. Well, except for the guy from South Dakota, North Dakota, because I just don't know anything. You don't know anything about it. He has a good yeah. record as governor. He's very popular there. I don't know. I'll have to look into okay. it. But anyway, <laughs> um, I'd vote for any of them. I don't. I, there's many that I don't I don't want to vote for Asa. I really don't want to vote right. for Chris Christie, but I will vote for them as opposed to anyone that is a part of what is happening right now. They are the, the other ones will just give us more time, maybe four more years. But at that same time, unless this this is what is at stake this particular election, I believe we are deciding right now. Whether what George Bush told me in the Oval Office 2005, six, somewhere in that area, um, he said, 
Uh, it was the day Barack Obama said, I just fly jets into Pakistan and I bomb Pakistan. And I thought that that's not good. That's an ally right now. That's not good. <clears throat> and I said that to the president and he said to try to reassure me, he said, Glenn, don't worry. No matter who sits behind this desk, they'll have the same advisors, the same advice, and they'll realize they don't really have any other choice than this one. And I walked out going, that was terrifying. Why do we have a president then? Didn't make you feel better? No, it didn't no. make me feel better. And, <laughs> and this is what Donald Trump did. He said, yeah, I, I've seen what you guys have advised us into. And uh, no, thank you. I'm going this way. We are deciding whether, and the three that I think would actually make a difference, um, and I'm not, I, I want you to know, I trust you to make the decision. I have my own opinions. I, you know, I'll know who I'm going to vote for in the end, and I'll vote for him just like you do. I don't want to influence your decision. I just want to bring you the information because I trust the American people. Um, <clears throat> so I look at these guys. I'd vote for any of them, but there are three or there's three of them that I would go. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Be happy to pull the lever. Um, and all of them have one thing in common. They are challenging the system, the entire system. Now, whether they actually get in there and do it and close the department of education, I don't know. I didn't think Donald Trump would ever make, uh, Jerusalem the, the capital of Israel Definitely. officially. Never thought that would happen, yeah, but he did. Uh, and the only thing that changes our course and gets us off the course of total destruction is one that cleans house in the administration. A, a, a president who becomes all powerful, you know, uh, makes his administration even more powerful uh, does not help us at all because the next one that gets in just going to, you know, reverse all of the. The edicts and everybody in the administrative state will fight against that president like they did with Donald Trump. So we are deciding right now, are we going to rebalance the power and put the power of lawmaking back into the hands of Congress where it belongs? Get rid of this all powerful uh, state. And I do want a powerful president, but I want a powerful president that deals with the administrative state. Mm -hmm. That's his realm. The president needs to say, gone. These are gone. I'm firing these people. Now, I don't know if we can. I mean, that's, you know, you, you have to fill probably four to 10,000 jobs as a president. I don't know if you can fill all those people. Without having bad people get in. It can be very difficult. Very difficult. And look, I think, you know, Ramaswamy has his strong points. I think he'd probably be pretty good at putting together an organization like that. He's done it, obviously, in the private sector as well. Um, it's hard. It's hard, though. It's hard. But I mean, again, I think it's hard for any of them. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have the, the background of, of, you know, of thinking about government all the time and, right. uh, and having all those relationships. Probably a good thing, as, you know, maybe a lot of people would argue that Donald Trump had that going in. Right. Um, 
but like you look at Ramaswamy and you say, okay, he's the type of candidate. I think he's good enough at this as far as running for president. Like I thought his debate performance was actually weaker than I thought it would be knowing him because, because he was a little obnoxious. He was a little, yeah, a little over the top, a little, maybe a few too many Red Bulls before the, the yeah. event, you know, like he wanted to, I think he was so worried about, I need to make an impact because no one knows who I am. Right. That he came out essentially loud and tried to do that. Yes. And he didn't realize that all the other candidates apparently decided they were going to come after him. Yeah. So it made it very easy. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've talked to a couple of people who said, you know, I kind of found him annoying in the debate. But when I've seen him in interviews since and said, you know, I really like him. I, I, he's really smart. He's really quick. Um, and there's a lot to like there. On the other hand, like we have to get to a point where we can look at these people and say, hey, like, let's say Donald Trump wins the president. He's obviously the heavy favorite to win the nomination. Let's say he becomes president. Like someone like Vivek would have something really important to offer to that administration. Mm -hmm. we, we don't need to make them into the enemy. That's and why I, I don't. That's why I don't like the feud between DeSantis and Donald Trump. Yeah. Like, don't, I, just stop it. Don't silly. do that. It's silly. We need, we need each other. Like you have to be able to criticize someone you're running uh, against for president. You should be able to say. But not hey, destroy them. I had this problem with Donald Trump's administration. Trump should be able to say, I have this problem with the way DeSantis has run Florida. Like that should all be on the table it gets idiotic this time of year yeah everyone gets on their teams so and like we i saw some of this glenn in reaction to your trump interview actually because people who like maybe desantis or like vivek were like well you didn't go hard enough on donald trump why did glenn you know uh your, your interview i think you'd, you'd say this was much more difficult on vivek than it was on trump now you I went harder on Vivek because that's what I was going for. Right. Donald Trump, first of all, anyone that can navigate nine minutes with Donald Trump and get four <laughs> questions in, you belong in the Radio Hall of Fame. Okay? You you don't have any idea yeah. what it's like to have nine minutes and four questions goes. and you're talking to Donald Trump. I got four questions in. Yeah. Um, and I didn't go hard. I mean, I thought I asked him, uh, asked him some really revealing questions. Mm -hmm. They weren't tough, but they were not softballs. Hey, how'd you feel about the bad guys? Wasn't that. However, I saw a line, a lot of people are saying, You're, you weren't tough on Donald Trump on COVID. Well, for two reasons. One, I've already done that in an hour-long sit-down with him. I've already done that interview. I've done that interview, and I'll do that again because I think there's some follow-up on it. But when you have the President of the United States in the news for being booked, <laughs> the first one to be booked, uh, and it's the next day, that's the topic of nine minutes of the things that come off of that. I will ask him more about Fauci and, and COVID, but I also am more interested in uh, what is he going to do in the future? Now that you, you see what happened to you, what happened to the country, if there was ever another pandemic, what would you do? Would you ever do those things again? Where did it go wrong? And he seems to be saying the answer to that would be no. I mean, he's saying uh, we will not comply with these regulations Correct. that a lot of people point out. He was very supportive of many Correct. of them at the time. Right. Um, 
And look, those are fair, but that like that's the type of thing that a primary is for. Right. Like they, we talk about conservative principles all the time. It's easy to say conservative principles are better than what Joe Biden is doing. What the interesting part of this process is to be able to look at each individual's approach to these things and try to decipher which one you think is best. And you know, yeah, that's, no, no, that no, no, not just be, that. But blood sport, not just that. If you can trust, if you any trust of them. them, if you can believe them, mm-hmm. what, do they have the record necessary to you know to earn your support? You know, people like to be, I don't like the idea talking about loyalty when you're talking about your vote. They need to earn your freaking vote. Every one of these guys needs to go out there, including, you know, and and ladies, Nikki Haley, has to go out there and earn your freaking vote. It's not theirs to lose. It's yours to give. And so looking at this process as something where you are able to keep your mind open and listen to these people. And not make it seem like it's, you know, Eagles Cowboys. That's not how this should feel. It should feel like you're trying to understand which one is better. Obviously, in the Eagles Cowboys uh, example, the Eagles are better. And and uh, I, I will tell you, we have great candidates. And America, I, I think conservatives know that. We're seeing um, it just in not research, just just reading, you know, views from our our chats, you know, uh, at Blaze TV and and reading things that people write. Um, We've never seen our audience more well balanced in a primary ever. Yeah. Really interesting. Really interesting. I've never seen a candidate who has divided the audience like Vivek has. (laughs) What does that mean? I've never seen as close to a 50 50 split of people who love the guy and hate the guy. And I, it's fascinating to me because... Don't you think that was that way with Cruz and... I don't think it was Trump. 50-50. You know? You know, it was... Our audience was overwhelmingly pro-Cruz during the primary. Mm. And when that was over, when the primary was over, they became... They got on the board with Trump and said, hey, we're, we're, we're very big fans of Trump. You know, even with Donald Trump, there was always a split on Donald Trump and a passionate split and, and continues to this day. Right. Though at this point, it's overwhelmingly positive for Donald Trump as opposed to at the beginning, it was overwhelmingly negative. That has switched. Vivek comes right out of the shoot and I feel like half the people love him and half the people don't. Like they... It, if so he many, can get that number to 70-30, he can win. I mean, general population. You're, you're not doing anything if you're you're liked by everybody. Yeah. You're just not doing anything, at least not doing enough to be able to save the Republic. Um, you know, there, you've got to have opposition in all things. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch, but I, I, I want your continued input and advice because all I want to do is ask the questions that you want asked and answered and not just from the opposing point of view, but also f- to highlight the strengths of each of these individuals. I'm yeah. trying to give a balanced look at each person. And uh, a per- persuade your overlords that you are on their side. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. I mean, George is calling me a little wild. <laughs> I just don't know if it's Bush or Soros, but one of them <laughs> is calling me. Um, when one of our service members dies, uh, by the way, I wore. if you're watching The Blaze, I wore this sweatshirt today just to uh, be ironic with uh, Vivek, I'm wearing a London School of Economics sweatshirt today. <laughs> anyway, one of our service members uh, is injured catastrophically or dies in the line of duty. Our veterans who have returned home to this country and end up homeless on the street. Who is reaching out with a deserved helping hand to get them back on their feet? I'll tell you who it is. 
It's Tunnel to Towers. This is one of the best charities, I think, out there. More of your dollar goes directly to the people you're trying to help than, I'd say, 99% of charities. $11 a a month is what they're asking if you will help. Do good for the people who have done good for us. Tunnel to Towers, T2T.org. Find out all about them. Tunnel to Towers at T, the number 2T.org. Glenn Beck. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. By the way, I think the political comment of the week has got to go to Ron DeSantis, who said, if you loot, we shoot. I mean, that is, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. you, know, you if you go into one of those abandoned houses, you don't ever know what's around the, uh, inside yeah. the doors. You better Here be careful. Here in Florida, you might have, they might have a gun. Yeah. Be careful. You loot, we shoot. Yeah, he, I, yeah. By the way, you could tell by the fact that there's no coverage of this hurricane uh, and what the response was, that yeah. it must have gone really well. Yeah. Because we haven't heard word one about right. it. And and Joe Biden is all of a sudden he's taking a real interest in this one. He's going down there to yeah. check on. I mean, Embarrassing. It's, it's really bad, really bad. Well, that's what campaign season is all about, I guess. I want to tell you about my uh, my podcast that comes out tomorrow with Alan Dershowitz. It is compelling. I ask him to take on every legal argument, both sides, for all of the indictments on Trump, and he does it. I'll tell you about it coming up. The Glenn Beck Program.